Hello, this is an unoriginal um, audio art tale. I woke at four o'clock in the morning in an Ibis budget hotel, which is actually a rather brilliant blank space, something like an incubator, rather a perfect space for an existential crisis. And I couldn't really speak and I couldn't really not speak so I was making spontaneous broadcasts one after the other till about 8.30 I think I probably you know, confessed too much again yeah, I decided to pull that one back it's the only the second of the series so far which I actually thought I cannot let this carry on existing it's just too many spilled beans. I was in a, a terrible kind of panic about all the things I'd left behind in my mother's flat, all those unwanted things that, that couldn't be accommodated and nobody wanted. Even the really lovely man from the charity shop took a lot of a look at a lot of it and said, I really can't take this. Nobody wants this sort of furniture, it's too big, and I was like, oh, you know, furniture that was once described as good, unwanted. I said, what'll happen to it? I said, you don't want to know, and I said, will they just smash it up, sort of flogging dead wood? He went, you don't want to go there. He said, this work is heartbreaking. He didn't use the H, so it was art breaking. And I looked at him, very beautiful, sort of Sinatra blue eyes. I just thought, whew, I feel lucky to have encountered this kind of character in such a time. Anyway, I was up in Manchester, as I say, on the morning of the of the flat being signed back to the unknown landlords and awake at four after an extraordinary evening where I'd been in conversation with Liz Agis after her brilliant show, Slap and Tickle, which has really marvellous, a great relief and a reminder what you know vaudeville can do, what humour can do, but humour with real knowledge, real you know, experience of pain and pleasure and, and why laughter and cheek can really, yeah, r r relieve the senses and release the good spirits. In the after-show conversation, um, you know, it's ranged from quite seriously sensitive subjects like death to her beautiful bottom, um, I muddled up the Millers, Arthur Miller and Henry Miller, and I, I said I'd sort of done some moon-facing outside Arthur Miller's house. Well, of course, I met Henry Miller, and that was another thing that teased me awake at four in the morning, like, oh, why did I muddle those Millers, you know? Why would they have thought I'd have gone to Arthur Miller's house and done such thing? Anyway, and I talked at length about what I saw in the photograph that no longer exists and oh, 
which was not what I'd hoped to see. Anyway, it was just one of those tourist, tourist jokes that, uh, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. At least I don't think so. I trust my friends. Anyway, blah, blah, I went on about the old portraits left behind and, well, how I actually removed them from frames. I couldn't quite just leave them just there to be taken to the charity shop in case some awful artist took them and defaced them with yellow smiley faces and something like that, or annotated them in a cruel and humorous way. I had a fear that this awful artist might be me, so I <laughs> made sure that couldn't happen. I didn't, I don't want to go public with a lack of subtlety to quite that degree. Oh, and then I went on great length about a family Bible of obviously very serious Farkers back in like to the 18th century signing their names in a a very old Bible, and how nobody wanted that either. My sister, in quite a sort of jolly way, ripped out the name, said, oh, this would be interesting. She likes a bit of uh, genealogy, I think that's what it's called. I I'm not so sure, but, uh, you know, as this is an unoriginal um, episode, I can say that I did, you know, ask Jem, who was very kind to go and do the signing back of the place. I I asked him to, you know, bring that Bible to me. It seemed to have lost its covers on the way, so it's just a sort of strange ghost-like book just sitting halfway up the stairs, neither up nor down. Yeah, I remember saying four o'clock in the morning is a time I, I've heard that people die Quite frequently they die at that time and I, I remember wondering, I still, well, I mean I'm still wondering, I always wonder, do they wake up to die or do they just sleep through it? Nice, nice just to sleep through it. Anyway, it was one of those extraordinarily long and involved um, monologues, I, trying to edit as, as, as best I could for... Um, upwardly sort of, um, yeah, an upwardly spiralling effect, but it really wasn't working. I don't think it's particularly possible to, um, you know, put a good spin on every single experience that you have, but, you know, I'll just put it into perspective. Not tragic in the scheme of things. Uh, it was really the end of a chapter and uh, that's all and as I say the uh, performance Liz Agassiz's show was absolutely brilliant so uh, can't complain anyway as I say this is you know a long time after that day and uh, it's beginning to actually sort of recede, that sort of horror of all those things just being left. And uh, certainly I didn't, can't say I've been bothered whether I said Arthur Miller or Henry Miller, 
for quite some time, couldn't care less. So that's good. That's the positive to this. Yeah, I'm quite a quite an interesting exercise in uh, speaking off the top of my head after the event, quite a long time after what was once the present. Okay, bye for now from what was the 10th of March. <laughs>